Welcome to my podcast, where you can listen to interviews, sermons, and much more. Cristo Urbano, the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cristo Urbano, the show. I have, I have a guest here, a good friend of mine. Uh, even though he's a great friend of mine, I cannot pronounce his last name. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome CM. Uh, I really CM. Now I'm going to try to uh, pronounce your last name. How do, how do you pronounce your last name again? Uh, Habermill. Yes. Yeah. CM, everybody. Uh, <laughs> CM. Oh, man. CN is a good friend. Um, he's the international outreach pastor at, at Compass Church in Texas. And, you know, it's an honor to have you, man, uh, in, in, in this platform, sharing a couple minutes with, 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 with a brother from the Dominican Republic. How are you doing? Absolutely, man. I'm doing so good. That It's an honor to be on here and get to see you and hang out with you a little bit, especially since we hadn't got to get down to the island lately. And so, uh, man, things are going great. I, well, at, you know, as great as they can in this crazy system and this crazy time, but, uh, but man, it's really good. What would you say, CM, uh, has been the craziest thing about this crazy season and this crazy time? Hey, you know, for me, so, so for our church, Compass, we have partners all over the world. And so, you know, in the past, there's been things that have, a, have happened. The bird flu affects certain areas or Ebola or, you know, you name it. Uh, and literally every partner we've talked to during the season has been affected through COVID. So whether you're in East Africa or you're in the Dominican or you're in Mexico City or you're in India or you're in New York or Chicago or you name it, fill in the blank, everybody has been affected. Um, whether it has come to their country just yet or just slightly or travel or whatever, it's just been amazing uh, to see how it's, it's literally affected every, every corner of the earth. Hmm. So I think that's, that's been striking to me because every one of us, you know, when you, when you talk to a, when you talk to a partner in Africa who they're praying for you guys in Texas, for us in Texas, because they are like, man, we see it's affecting you all a lot worse than it is us. It's just very sobering, you know, but then to see other parts of the world that are being affected more, it's just, that's been very sobering for us, I think. And, and really eye-opening because it's changing it's changing how we're all ministering in the, in this context too. You know, I, you, uh, you shared with compass just not too long ago, the, the idea of, of how y'all started using technology, how you had technology, you started using it. We were using technology, but we've used it in different ways during this time. And even the way we've been meeting by using zoom, everybody heard of zoom occasionally, but now zoom is a normal part mm -hmm. of our lives. Um, in fact, I, I like having Zoom meetings better than I like having to stand six foot away from someone with a mask on, not being able to tell their facial expressions. So, so for <laughs> me, so, so just those things that are now becoming a normal part of life, which before were just to kind of, you did it when someone was far away and you needed to meet with them, not when they were two offices down or a couple of houses down. 
Yeah, and this is the first time, man, that, you know, it's a global thing. Yeah, I, truly. We, we all learn what the world, what the world uh, pandemic means because it's affecting everybody. It's yep. not in one part of the world. So, you know, um, we all get to learn from each other's, from each other's mistakes and from from each other's um, success, because That's exactly right. Uh, I was I was just saying, man, you guys, you guys with with your online services, you guys have been killing it, man. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Um, well, I my kid loves watching the, the <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's his yeah, favorite. Our, our our kids team has done an amazing job. I, you know, for for us, we started taking seriously online a couple of years ago, and that's considered one of our one of our campuses. But when this happened, and we went completely online in the middle of March, we we were able to turn a switch really quickly because within two to three weeks, we started what we call Compass Daily, and it's a it's a daily devotional with one of our pastors and one of our worship leaders, and it's about fifteen or twenty minutes and. And people love that because that was a great intentional time. Every morning happens every morning at eight o'clock. But then when we got ready for each of our campuses to do their own technology. So each campus is is now currently preaching each weekend, just like they would if we were in the building, we were able to make that jump fairly, fairly well. And our, our IT team and our, our team that, handles all of our online stuff has just been incredible. So that, that's been really cool to watch. Um, Cause you know, all of a sudden you've got to think, how do, how do we do this differently? It's also been cool for me. Sometimes we take technology for, for granted. And even for me, sometimes I, there's been times in my life that, that digital ministry I'm a little skeptical of cause I'm a relationship guy. You know that I like hanging out, talking, being able to shake people's hands, give people a hug. And so the digital aspect, I was just like, well, what does this really mean? But I started talking to church planners in different places. And, and one of the things they realized was in places that they were where people wouldn't check out the church for fear of family kickback or even mm-hmm. public kickback, they started noticing that they were getting more views online by people that wanted to check out their church. And it was giving them more traction with the community because people were coming to know who they were and what they really believed. Whereas when they first started, people might not have visited them because it was different than the way they culturally grew up. So we're just seeing how technology kind of around the world is, is changing some things. And uh, that's been really cool to see. We, we've had people view from other countries pretty regularly on a weekend here at Compass. Some of our mission partners that aren't able to get out and be a part of other churches and that's been really that's been really humbling and really cool to watch. Something that I like about you guys' church is the different locations and how even yeah. even though it's like different campuses, uh everybody has the same culture. You know, everybody yeah. is going, moving towards the same goal, speaking the same language. Um, it's really cool to see. You guys have three campuses, right? We we have four. We have four physical campuses, and then we have our online campus. And okay. So, so you have so you have four campuses. Here's a question that I have. I hear you say in the past a couple of times, um, we are one church, a thousand locations. What do you yeah. mean by that? 
So initially, when we would stand up on a Sunday morning, when we're all meeting live, we say we're one church with multiple locations, meaning we have four physical locations you can come to, and we have one, we have one digital location. Now, because literally we've got people meeting all around the globe, um, on a Sunday morning, people tune in from hundreds, if not thousands of homes. So all of a sudden, when COVID hit and we went to meeting online only, we, we immediately were a church in a thousand locations, no longer in four physical locations and one online location. So that, I don't know who started saying that. I don't know if Drew said that initially, but that's where we started saying we're one church in thousands of locations. Because one of the things we've kicked around, and you've probably heard this a lot too, is, is we started talking about microsites. We started talking about groups of people that, that don't have access to a church that are maybe in in another country or in another part of the con- of, of the continental United States that just want to start meeting together. And so they would view Compass online and then they could, they could do Rooted together potentially or do some other things and kind of start a, a small church, if you would, not necessarily a full-blown church plant, but just kind of a microsite where they could participate in worship, but also um, do some things. So this, this has kind of started accelerating some things of what does it look like for families to gather? What does it look like for several families to gather maybe in another state or another country? And we don't really know the answers to any of that yet, I think, just because of all the stuff we're doing. But that's where really quickly we became one church in a thousand locations. I really like the phrase. I really like the phrase. It's catchy and, you know, it gets you thinking like, okay, that's really cool. It's actually happening. Uh, um, I heard you say something about Rooted. And I know there's a lot of people that are watching or listening to this podcast and probably don't know what Ruda is. Uh, Ruda is a, is a discipleship program um, that lasts 10, 10 weeks. And CN was a Ruda pastor for a couple of years. Um, how was that experience for you, man? Um, tell people about Ruda. Like, what, how was that powerful for your church? Uh, I know you love Rooted. Why do you love Rooted? Man, when we first started Rooted at Compass, we started it with our staff. And at the time, our staff was probably part-time and full-time, about 65 people. Why year people. was that? When was that? Oh, I'm getting old, Isaiah. I, um, that was probably four years ago this fall. It's either four or five years ago this fall. And, and we grouped our staff um, – Generally, anyone who leads Rooted has, has needed to go through Rooted first, but because this was brand new to our whole staff, they picked, a, they picked eight of us to lead groups. And so I got chosen to lead a group, which was pretty intimidating because I'm leading a Rooted group with my boss in it, my campus pastor, and a bunch of other guys in it. And, um, and we did separate male and female groups for this on staff, but eventually we did co-ed groups. And, and um, but basically you walk through a 10 week experience together. That's not, people like to call it, you know, what kind of study is it? What kind of, and it's not really that there's a, there's a daily piece of learning and growing and, and uh, journaling. Um, But I think one of the amazing things about rooted is how you get to experience life together. So people get to share their story and all of a sudden you begin to think, understand I'm not the only one that has that piece of my story. I can't tell you how many groups I've led or been a part of where people would share something about their story and someone else would say, Oh my gosh, that's a, that's the same thing. We had 
one of our executive pastors led a group and they had four to five couples that were all foster parents in there. No one knew when they signed up, no one knew. We had one group that had two former pastors in it that had been burned by the church and were really hurting. No one knew. Just the way God put these groups together is always amazing. Um, I had two ladies that both grew up with military dads. So they were military brats. They hopped all over the place. So they understood when one of them shared their story, the other one automatically leaned in and connected. So there's that experience. The other thing I've learned is through Rooted, people begin to kind of flesh out what they really believe and why they believe it. It, now they start to put teeth and feet to their faith and, and really understand what, why they believe what they believe. How, As a, how, how will you describe like, things that you see in a person that went through rooted? Like, 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 what kind of thing will you say, trying to, to elaborate the question well, you know, like, what kind of things do you see in a person that has after they go through rooted versus before they went through rooted. You don't have to mention names, but like generally, yeah. what kind of things do you see? One of, one of my favorite stories is um, I had a guy in my group. He grew up in the church. He, he never wanted to be baptized at the yeah. church because he, he had made that decision when he was a kid uh, in the church he grew up in and just didn't really feel like it was necessary. And, and so when we, he stated that early on, when he gave his story, like the second week of Rooted, he was very staunch, very firm. Um, and he said some really strong things that, nece that weren't necessarily, everybody in the group was looking at me because I'm a pastor, right? They're looking at me going, hey, you're going to answer that? Like, you're going to answer what he just said? And, and one of the beauties about facilitating a group is it's not for us to give the answers. It's for the Holy Spirit to have space to move. And so, so as I watched him develop through the weeks, one of the, one of the weeks, the idea came out within our group of, you got to be willing to go all in. You got to give everything to the Lord. You, you can't, you can't only give him 90% and keep 10%. And this, this guy grew up on a farm. And so he knew what it was to, to sacrifice everything in order to, to receive something. He's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to give away everything. And we get to our celebration and, and, and I'm just about to get out of the baptism tank. I've baptized five people, four people out of my group that night. And his wife is nine months pregnant. Like she, she's about to have a baby and she walks around the corner and holds her finger up to me and says, Hey, wait, wait one more. And I, I started crying, dude, because this dude was staunch. He didn't need to get baptized. He was never going to be a member of our church. Wasn't a big deal to him. Mm -hmm. He was going to be involved as best he could. And he got in that tank and, and we, we went through all, all of it and I baptized him and he came out of the water. And a week later I had lunch with him and I said, what changed? And he said, man, I'd been drawing this line in the sand and I just began to realize in that moment, what does it matter? I just need to be obedient. I just need to follow what the Lord and to see where he is three years later, what God is doing in his life and how as a dad and as a husband and as a, um, a Christ follower, how he's gotten involved and used his gifts in the church has just been staggering. So one of the things I've learned is people begin to see what it really looks like to follow Jesus and to listen to his voice, to, to hear the spirit of God, to understand what it means to, 
to interact. Someone said early on in Rooted, you have the opportunity to write your prayers down. You remember this. And, and people are like, I don't, I'm not writing my prayers down. I don't, that's dumb. I've never done that. And I don't think God hears that. And I don't want to do that. And I'll just, you know, again, the pastor may wants to say, just do this. I'm like, okay. And about four weeks later, I'm like, Hey, anybody want to share? And they're like, yeah, I just want to read this prayer I wrote. And cynically I'm going, I, I, I thought you thought that was dumb. And it was just to watch that transformation of as people begin to spend time with the Lord, intentionally reading, intentionally praying, intentionally learning, and hearing what others say and, and allowing God to speak to them. I think the transformation has been really staggering to see um, relationships healed, uh, marriages healed, to see people uh, give their life over to Christ after living a, a long, painful life of other things, of people walking out of addiction. Mm. Of, of freedom of strongholds that they've had that have just crippled them for and you know, years and, and years. you know cm like a lot of people a lot of people don't do um studies like rooted because they think that is another program and yeah that's when they're mistaken you know it's yep. it's not a program <laughs> yeah. know, like, no we all run away from programs because we have a lot of stuff to do already you know but this is yep. This is more like an experience, you know, and, yeah. and just to see uh, lives being transformed, not by yes. a book, not by a book, but no. by the word of God. <clears throat> yep. it's, just, it's just directing us to what the word says, you know, it's, it's, it's powerful, man. It's really cool. Um, I'm yeah. glad that, that you guys' church and our ministry have that bond, you know, because it's, definitely something something special uh, something something i wanted to ask you cm how many years have you been a pastor man in um i, I was thinking about that the other day isaiah I, i'm in my 23rd year okay and so, you started as a youth pastor i did i did i was uh i was a youth worker I, I was telling my story a little bit at lunch to another pastor today. I, I taught school for three years. My wife and I thought we would play it safe and just, you know, work, work with students on, on our spare time and be, be school teachers. And we had seen our youth pastors the way they grew up and it, it, their families had a tough life, you know, because ministry isn't always easy. And, uh, and so we thought we'd play it safe and the Lord allowed us to kind of dance around for three years and then he called us into full-time ministry and we were serving as eighth grade Sunday school teachers. And, uh, I began to get some opportunities to speak and do some things. And, and lo and behold, in December of, um, 1997, the youth pastor at the time took me to lunch and said, Hey, I need a junior high student pastor. And I feel like you're the guy. And I was like, I'm in. Problem is, I currently had a job as a school teacher, so I had to go tell him I was I was no longer going to teach school. But I, the Lord's timing was perfect, and yeah, I, I I did student ministry for a long, long time, and so we um, that's been um, it's it's been a wild ride, but it's been really cool. I did student ministry for ten years there, and then I came up to the Dallas Fort Worth area and did student ministry for a couple of years but we were also a mobile church. So I was in charge of all the mobile stuff. And, and then I came to Compass and did student ministry for a little while. And then I did Rooted and adult things. And then in the for last how long, year. For how long have you been at Compass? 
Um, I just celebrated in February nine years. Okay. So yeah. And 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 involved specifically with missions. For how long have you been in that area? So on on officially on the outreach team, I've been. Uh, it's a year and a half. Okay. The, the crazy the crazy thing about that is when I came on staff as a as an assistant student pastor, the pastor I worked under, um, he led student ministry like he wanted to lead his church. Mm-hmm. And so the the first summer I was on staff, we took seventy five high school students to the interior of Mexico. We drove to Laredo in seven fifteen passenger vans and drove down the border and into Saltillo, Mexico. And went up in the mountains and camped out and built a church. And the next year, we took 45 kids to Lviv, Ukraine. And the next year, we took 45 kids to Tegucigalpa, Honduras. So, so Honduras, Ukraine, Mexico. I know you're in Dominican. What other countries have you done mission trips on? Uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua. Um, Dang. Those were those were all student trips, yeah. Because we we went to I went to, um, I went to Honduras multiple times. I went to Nicaragua twice. I went to El Salvador once. Um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I I got to um, I went to England with a bunch of pastors to see how they were doing some church stuff over there, and then this past fall I got to go uh, to Tanzania which was my first time to go to Africa and it was, it was mind blowing. Um, and of course I've, I've been to the Dominican twice with you guys, which has been awesome. So yeah. That, so, so when I walked into this role, when the Lord opened this role at compass to be on the outreach team, you know, here I've been in ministry for 20 years and I'm like, I'm not qualified. I'm working with Rob Moppin who's, who's, you know, a professor and a, and, and been a missionary in Mexico. I'm work, at the time working with Heidi Miller, who grew up a missionary kid. So I'm working with all these people who have a rich history and a network in missions. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't, what am I doing here? Other than I love, I've got to lead some trips. Guatemala is, is another country I've got to be in. Um, I love Central America a whole lot. And, uh, but I just love the experience of getting to see where God's moving around the world. And so, um, I began to look back from that very first job in ministry of how God has intentionally put me with people who had a love for the global church and specifically that first job, the idea that a high schooler or a junior high student on a short-term mission trip, that's a deposit into their life that can potentially change them forever. That's true. My, my last trip in Houston, I had a girl and we went around the last night and everybody talked about how this trip had changed them. And she just said, Hey, I just, I don't know that I get it. I don't know that it, she just was struggling with her faith and everybody prayed over her that night. And four or five years later, I get a Facebook message from her that says, Hey, thank you so much for praying. And thank you so much for being an example. I just want to let you know, um, I have begun to follow Jesus in such a way that this summer I'm spending my entire summer on a summer mission trip. And I just wanted you to be aware of that and just wanted to say thank you. And it blew me away because, because I believe it's those kind of deposits where kids go across, you know, outside of their city, outside of their bubble, outside of their state, outside of their country. And they see God do something that totally blows their minds. They see people that have way less than they have and they love Jesus way more than they ever dreamed of loving him. 
-hmm. and they see people sacrificially giving in a way that that is very humbling and very um maybe gut-wrenching at the time i remember i had a kid on a bus one time and i believe we were in honduras and he said we had heard that that day that the average male made two hundred dollars a year wow and he looked at me and he said mm -hmm. cm i just got a check before i left for umpiring little league baseball games for two hundred dollars and he said i i made in two weeks i made what a male in honduras makes in a year and it was fun for me as a student pastor to watch this teenager wrestle with that because what, what do you do with that when you have that kind of information? Like, what, how do I respond? Mm. I, I think I need to go back and live a little bit more sacrificially and a little bit more grateful, you know, and, and, and asking God how he wants to use that. And so th those for me have always been the game changers. I still love, I'm too old for student ministry. It makes me hurt, man. I get, I'm, I'm too grumpy um, as I'm getting to be an old man and a grandpa. But there's something about still taking teenagers and adults on trips and watching God unlock something in them that just, it just undoes me, man. I just, I love it. It's so much fun. You know, and, and so when I got the, into this. You know, the interesting thing about what, what you're saying there, you know, like specifically, specifically about that story of that girl sending you that message on Facebook is that I'm sure you have a bunch of other stories like that of life that you have affected through ministry, but you don't get that information of what has happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, think yeah. that, I think God allows, allows us to get uh, stories like that every now and then, just, so, yep. just so, so we remember not to take the glory for ourselves. That you're exactly right. You know what you I mean? Exactly right. But yep. I guarantee yep. you, man, that you have stories like that all over the world. You just don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> For your own good. Yeah, you yeah, that's I mean? exactly right. That's because exactly right. That's that's how God works, man. That's that's really cool. Uh, um, you guys went to Dominican, and those trips uh, were fun. It was it was fun to have you guys down there this year. You know, uh, COVID. Uh, change a lot of plans for you guys for us yeah. you know it, it put everybody on pause but um the church the global church hasn't stopped working no not at all we're still doing uh, uh god's work and and through the pandemic there is so many cool things that have been happening um tell me tell me cm about those trips to Dominican that you have taken, uh, how have they been, if they have, have they been any different from any other trips that you have taken and why? You know, the, the first trip we took, um, we brought adult leaders down. So we brought our rooted leaders down and some of our staff and some of our elders. Mm. And it was a different trip for us. It was shorter than a normal mission trip, but it was also an inclusion into what you guys are already doing in Rooted. So, you know, we got to see, we got to see uh, men graduate from Rooted out of the prison. We got to be a part of your, your church's uh, Rooted celebration. And so we got to do a serve project alongside of, of some Rooted participants. And so that was really rich for us to see the context, to see Rooted in a different context. That was, that was super empowering for our leaders uh, we have some people that that literally is their ministry. They facilitate rooted every time. Mm 
Mm. Um, and so that, that has been really powerful for, so for them to get to see it in a new context was really a way to breathe deep and, and to see God use that in a global context was just really, really inspiring. So that was super fun. And I think, um, what was fun for me taking students down there? Um, yeah, because that, that's, you know, let me, let me clarify that. You know, like you were saying, the trip that you guys took, the yeah. first one was with leaders. Yes. Pastors and, and rural leaders. Yep. yep. For those of you who are listening, uh, you guys know how Go Ministries does uh, trips for a week. Uh, I remember you guys came for, for five days, I think it was. Yeah. It, it was a short trip. But then you guys came back with the students uh, in the summer. Uh, how how was was the different the the leader trip? You, you know, you told me a little bit about that one. How was the experience to see, you know, not only the kids but also the sponsors in the trip, you know, respond to to the week in the Dominican with us? Man, I, what I love is um, <clears throat> y'all do a great job of exposing people to many things going on around y'all's part of the island what, what whatever that looks like from from the different neighborhoods y'all are starting to minister in to the different church planners we got to meet to what's going on at the at the um, leadership development center all of those kind of things the sports ministries all of those things are, are such a great snapshot uh, for our students uh, and so y'all, y'all have that down so well and so good. I mean, I, I think there were six teams there when we were there. Y'all had a whole lot of teams all in one week, but it, it was really seamless in what, in what we were doing and how that was going. I, I think for us, for me, it was fun because my youngest two boys went with me on that trip and they were both in high school and uh, getting to see, they had grown up going to Guatemala. We, as a family, we went to Guatemala and got to see it. So it was fun to get to see them see a different mission field, to be at a, in a, with a different partner. But it was also fun because I feel like, especially my youngest son, I got to watch him grow in a different way and kind of get his own feet underneath him spiritually and leadership-wise. And so that was really, really fun for me. Uh, I think the thing I love, too, is you guys allowed us to – to drill in a little bit and hang out with church, more of your church planning arm. And, and, and honestly, it's, some of that is, is because of our friendship and relationship, but we, we want to spend some time there where our kid, where our teams can begin to build some relationships and we can, we can help be a part of helping, you know, yeah. in a short term sense of what, of what y'all are doing, whether that's, whether that's events or projects or, you know, those kind of things. We want to be able to be a, of assistance there in, in, a, in a tangible way and support you guys in, in the ministry you're doing because the, the mission and vision you guys have for a thousand churches in 10 years is staggering. And it is, it is so exhilarating to get to meet some of the men and women that are a part of that. Mm, we're, thankful, so I, we're thankful that you guys are part of that vision because when you guys were there with the leadership, with, with the leaders um, trip, I remember we painted a building that now works as one of our church locations. 
That's amazing. It was one of those buildings that it was kind of like an abandoned building type in the community. Yeah. And now we have done so many like uh, activities there, like kids clubs and um, medical clinics, you know, just doing different outreach events to the community. That's and amazing. Even during the pandemic, man, just seeing people coming to Christ, getting baptized, you know, you guys are part of that, bro. So uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for, for getting behind uh, what God is doing in, in, in DR. Um, something CM that I got to take advantage of this time that I have with you. You know, you have led trips to so many places. You have a lot of experience in this field, in this area. Um, there is a lot of, there is a lot of uh, leaders out there that are probably thinking about taking a trip. Um, and they never done it before. So they had that fear of like, man, what is it like to take a teenager out of the country? And, you know, yeah. there is these fears. What advice will you give? Like, how do you get prepared for a trip like that? taking teenagers outside of the U.S.? You know, I, I learned early on through my, my very first boss in ministry that um, we, you train well. You, you have to train your teams. You have to give – and I'm even learning more, even in all the trips I've been a part of, either a team member or a leader of them, I'm learning there's different ways to train your teams and prepare them. Um, but the, I think one of the most critical pieces is having good partners. You know, I've, I've met people who told me the story of, I just wanted to go to another country and rent a motorcycle and just go do ministry. <laughs> and, and, and that sounds really cool and movie-esque. It also sounds really stupid in, in the year 2020, if I can just be honest. And so, so you know, um, <laughs> and and, it, and it's also possible to go and do ministry somewhere and cause damage if you're not with good partners. Oh, you, man. You know? Preach so, brother. Preach <laughs> so, so the idea, you know, we're so fortunate at Compass to be partnered with so many good outreach partners that, that understand their community. I. I, I could take 20 trips with you, but at the end of the day, when I step onto the island, I still don't know the culture and the people like you and your team do mm. and your church does. And so I can, I can help our team understand some things on the, on the Texas side before we get on an airplane. But at the end of the day, when we get there, we're going to surrender and say, okay, Isaiah, okay, go team, please teach us show us because you guys are going to say don't ever you know don't do this let's not go here I, i'll never forget i got to honduras with one of the last teams i ever led to honduras and and the pastor met me and he said cm i'm so sorry we can't we can't do door-to-door -door evangelism in this neighborhood and i said okay pastor and he said he said your team is mostly females and uh, this team has gotten a lot this neighborhood has gotten a lot rougher with some gangs from other countries and and we just it would be dangerous to put your put your team door to door and I said and he apologized he just kept apologizing because he, he he felt like he was he felt like he was going to disappoint and upset us and I had to look at him and say pastor there there are a whole lot of moms and dads in the U.S. right now who are saying thank you because <laughs> you you know your neighborhood and you know your 
what's going on and you don't want to put our team in harm's way. We, for me to look at you and say, no, I want to take all these teenage girls into a dangerous situation because this is what I want to do. See, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be a mission pastor. That happened, <laughs> I shouldn't be a pastor. That happened, though, because you, you're, in your mentality, you have, you're thinking, I have nothing to prove. I just want to serve. Right. But when you bring with that mentality of like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, they can go with me, you know, like, they'll walk with me. This is not dangerous, you know, like, that's yeah. not, that's not the right yeah. attitude. So that's very right. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, hear me, there's been times I've been places I'm like, why can't we do this? I want to do this. And, and I, you know, it's so hard. We, we took, we took a ton of kids down to El Salvador to drill four mm. water wells that we had raised money for. And we didn't see one water well that week. We, we had equipment break. We had, we had a well drilled all the way down and the chain broke and the pipe went through the bottom and busted it and seawater came up through the hole. We had all of these things and it was 40 or 45 team members got sick that week. I mean, it was one of those weeks where you go, what in the world? But man, the way we saw God move was still phenomenal because it wasn't about us. It yeah. wasn't about us accomplishing our agenda. It was about him going forward in that community. And, and so I, one of the, what I would say to a, a young leader that's, that's wanting to take students out of the country, um, first, find someone around you that's, that's deeper and stronger than you are. Find a good mentor. Find someone that could, could give you some good advice. But also find a really good partner out of the country that you're going to work with. Find someone that's trusted and respected and and has a good ministry, yeah. um, you know, cause there's plenty of ministries out there that, that honestly just, they need support and they don't really know where they're going, but there's, there are also a ton of good ministries out there that are doing good kingdom work that would love to be partnered with someone that just, that just wants to encourage them. There, there's so many partners that, that if nothing else, they just need our presence just, just to encourage them and pray for them and hold their arms up. Uh, Cause you get, you guys get extremely tired. I mean, you, you see, I, I have felt guilty in the past of coming in on a trip when, when the trip leaders have had a trip before us and they're having a trip right after us and they just look tired. Hmm. And I, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel guilty. Um, at the same time, we just want to, we want to be a, a super big encouragement. So that, that's one of the things that I look back over all the years and something I learned early on what was to stretch students and leaders you know, put them in situations that they're not comfortable. You know, you might have to stand up and share your testimony. Be, be ready. You know, you might have you might have to do something that's out of your comfort zone. Um, you might be in a small group to talk with people, and so those kind of things that I think are really stretching. But it's always having good partners that are always going to put us in in the right place and and know um, how we can best serve the kingdom there. I love that you're saying that, man, because it's is is such a reality that not not many people are willing to to share that truth of yeah. you know uh you guys you guys men are really good at <clears throat> encouraging us um you know i don't know how many times you have called me hey are you taking a break are you doing this you know like <laughs> We appreciate that, man, because you're looking out. You guys are looking yeah. out for all of us. Um, when you were sharing your story, 
of of the guy saying let's let's not do this in this street uh made me think about when we went to prison to for that uh celebration i remember the before the prison you know we have we have pastors that work in prison that's all they do all week long so even though i'm dominican you know i cannot go into the prison in dominican and try to be the man of like no 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 let's stay here let's do this no even i'm dominican i go talk to pablo who is our who is our guy in prison like hey man tell me what what's the plan for today and i remember for you guys one of the first thing that he told me was like okay we have this amount of time for the graduation so when it's time to go we gotta go yep right we don't need another explanation i love cm i love um the 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 simple fact that you guys are the kind of team the kind of church that have been prepared so well before the trip that i just had to tell you hey man uh you know when we say go we gotta go because they're closing the doors and you don't want to go you don't want to go in the mission strip overnight in prison (laughs) when when i say go let's go you remember that (laughs) yeah because because the the other side of that story, I love that story because I told that not too long ago. One of our sweet ladies that was on that trip, I'll never forget. She's standing there watching all of these mm-hmm. these rooted graduates, and she said, "Can we ju- can we just go up and hug them and say hello?" And and you said, "Yes, absolutely." And she started that, and she hugged like fifteen guys, and then we had to go. And and I broke my heart to tell her we've got to go, but she knew and we knew it's time to go, you know? Yeah. And so, so we're like, we got to go. But, and, and cause she wanted to hug every one of them. And so they would know they were loved and she was proud of them. And it was such a sweet, tender moment, but at the same time I was like, okay, we got to go. Yeah. And because, it, because you guys understood the magnitude, the importance of, yes. of what you're saying of like, okay, we come here to support what you guys are doing. You guys are the expert right. in this area. So if you say it's time to go, let's not ask questions of like, no, no, no. We're having a good conversation with this guy. You have yeah. it over a letter. But right now we have to go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, you know, it, it's so funny because over the years I, I was young in ministry. We took, we took 2,000 shoes down to Honduras. We shipped them ahead of us. And we got down there and I, I wanted to go. <sighs> I, they were two days late. We were supposed to be doing these shoe clinics in these churches where they would get to hear about Jesus. They would get shoes. And uh, I left with the missionary to go down to the loading dock to, to get these shoes. We could, we could see the boxes of shoes on the loading dock, but they wouldn't give them to us. And I, I just remember being so frustrated. And I, and I sat with this. In fact, I've got a picture on my wall of him, Larry Elliott. He was, he was a Southern Baptist missionary who was martyred in, in Iraq in the early 2000s. Um, and it was amazing because he, just, he had this big, huge smile and this big, huge piece. He talked in Spanish to, to the guard there, and he ended up getting one of those guys a pair of new shoes eventually. But I was so stressed out. I was like, I can't believe we can't get these. And he, he was like, see him. It's going to be okay. And I sat in the car for a couple hours with Larry Elliott and had this missionary just pour into me and speak to me and just show me about, you know, it's, it's not up to us. You know, it, it, he was so faithful 
God had used him for, he used him for 30 plus years in that country of Honduras. And, and here I was this young associate student pastor from America who was just more focused on getting things done than the relational piece of it. I just began to see, Oh my gosh. Like I, I learned so much that that's why that country has a really neat place in my heart because of what I learned from the Elliots and how they loved people and, and also how they receive love from a team of a bunch of teenagers, you know, cause you guys get it. Cause y'all bring teenagers in every, every summer, but a lot of, a lot of missionaries don't want a bunch of teenagers. That sounds like a nightmare, you know, to bring a bunch of teenagers and we would bring a bunch of kids down and they would be like, Oh my gosh, these, these teams are more behaved than some of our adult groups. This is unbelievable. Cause they would get to see our kids really pray and get to see our kids share their testimonies and get, get to see our kids worship. And, and I think those are huge pieces. I, I think for, for our kids, one of the big hallmarks for me is going on a, on a trip and then getting to see what prayer really looks like mm. maybe more than they ever do. Yeah. That's something, that's something that I always saw about you guys' trip, you know, uh, everywhere we went, man. You guys are prayer warriors. All right, let's pray for yeah. this person. You know, like, yeah. it's not one of those things that, okay, we'll keep you in our prayers. We'll pray for right. you. You guys will right. just like, let's pray right here for this person. You know, that yeah. that was a yeah. big lesson that we all learned from you, that, that, that you guys were always, all the time praying. And, you know, yes, we got a lot of things done while you guys were there. But the most important thing, peace like you say man like it's the relationships yes you know like yep. your team knows our people our people knows your team you right. know i go i go to busy guys' church and i don't feel ever i don't ever feel like a stranger and mm. it's so comfortable man to come in and be able to say hi to a bunch of people that i know that i know yeah. are like it's family, fun you know uh So it's really cool, man. How do you guys got to accomplish that culture within your church in Compass? Of that family mentality, let's hang out after the service, all that. Yeah, I, it's a real challenge, you know, especially when you grow, especially as churches grow and, and, and reach more people. That's, that's, I, that's, that's what's more impressive to me. Because yeah. you guys are not a small church. You guys are a big church of four campuses. But you still yeah, the family mentality, man. So, so it's like, uh, because I wanted to say that because some people out there might be thinking, oh, yeah, uh, uh, a small church. Everybody knows each other. But this, this yeah. is how many people you guys have in your church? I have about 5,500, 6,000, somewhere around there on yeah. a given weekend. And yeah. In 6,000 people church, you don't, you don't feel like a stranger. Like, what things will you, what things will you recommend, CM, uh, if you will, you know, to, to a church that have that number and they want to, you know, they yeah. want to bring that, that warmth, that mentality. What kind of things do you have to do? What kind of practices? take you to accomplish that you know i i think you've <laughs> got to be about people you you've got to be about relationship and and it's it's not just about it can't just be about the program on the weekend mm. and that sounds really rude and i don't mean that rude but it, 
But if you're just focused on that hour, hour, 15 minutes on Sunday morning, you're going to miss a whole lot. And so um, one of the things that was so unique about up here, especially Compass, Colleyville, um, Drew's, Drew's been here a long time, our, our lead pastor, and they still do, um, well, pre-COVID, they still did new member gatherings in his home. And so over the course of the the years he's been here, there's been thousands of people that have had dinner in his home that have become members of our church. You know, people can go Sunday morning and shake his hand and meet him for the very first time after he preaches a message. And not everywhere is like that, you know, and, 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 and I'm not saying we're the only one that does it because we're not, that's not, but I think it's also, there's a humanness to who our pastors are. Our pastors are real people with real families, with real hurts, and, and, you know, we, we, we're That's just like anybody thing. else. That's another thing. I see, I see no spirit of competition when I see you guys as pastors together. When you guys as pastors are together, it's like the brothers are in the building. Let's hang out. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. That's really cool, man. Well, and it, it, it's been really neat. Compass is unique um, because we're one of the few, there might be a couple others, but we're one of the few churches in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that are multi-site, mm. but we have all, we have live preaching on every one of our campuses. Mm. So each of those campuses has a, a teaching pastor that, that is preaching live most Sundays. We do video a couple times a year between all of our campuses, but but that's really unique. And so a lot, a lot of churches up here that are multi-site use video and that, you know, I, that's what they choose to use. And that's great. They've got a great communicator, but we've got a talent pool here of, of a lot of gifted communicators and, and teachers. And that, that's been really, really fun and really neat. Um, but I think just that we want to be a part of the community. We, you know, we, we want to interact with people. That's why, COVID has been hard because people want to interact. They want to serve. They want to hug people. They want to shake hands. They want to have a cup of coffee and not have to have a mask on, you know? And, and, and so um, I think that's a, a that's a, a real part of it. Mm, that's good, man. Um, our time is almost up, CM, but one question, man, that I, you know, I don't want to let you go without asking you. <laughs> I, I, I had to ask these questions to, to a lot of my guests here in Crystal Urbano, the show. Yeah. Um, you were telling me that in 97 is when you started ministry. Right? Yeah. Full time. Uh, yeah. Full time 97. Uh, if you could go back, man, and give you an advice to that guy that just say yes to full time ministry in 1997, what that advice will be? Oh man, what a great question. Um, I, I think what I would have told me 20, almost 23 years ago, um, to, use your, to use my vacation time, to learn to be fully present at home, as well as a job to not take myself too seriously <sighs> and not let the task overtake relationship. Oh, yeah. I, I, 
Wow. I, I, I wish I, I left a lot of vacation days on the table my first 10, 15 years of ministry. Mm. And that, that's embarrassing. Um, they got, the Lord has blessed our family and, and our, our kids have had some troubles and, and some of that might be from ministry and some of that, you know, I, I have some regret. Also, some of us just the enemies out to still kill and destroy and with all of our families um, in ministry, it feels like we have a bigger target sometimes. And, and sometimes that's true, I believe. Um, but, I, but I think I'm in that phase of ministry right now where I want the second half of my life to count as much, if not more, as the first half of my life. Amen. But if there's if there's anything I could change, I would have spent a little bit more time at home. Um, I would have used all my vacation days, and and I the relationships would have trumped what I was trying to accomplish. That's good, man. That's, yeah. I really hope that, I really hope that you know people out there, not only young people, but just people in general that are listening to this can take a heart that advice. I'm taking it for sure, man. Yeah. Um, the beauty of it is that it's never too late. Um, no. We can start today, you know? Yep. Um, thank you, brother, for... Oh, man. My allowing, honor. Allowing me to, you know, take this time uh, away, you know, because I know you're a busy guy. You have a lot of things to do. So it means a lot for me that you are giving me this time for, for you know, this conversation that I'm hoping can be a blessing to people that are listening out there. And, you know, there's a lot, of, a, a lot that I got to learn from you. And, and I'm, glad, I'm glad that you're taking uh, time to share some of that wisdom. Wow. Uh, with me and, and, and all my listeners. So I appreciate you, brother. Well, I appreciate you. I, man, I'm so grateful for our friendship. And when you, uh, I guess November will be two years when you guys came down to, to Roanoke and, and got to be a part of Rooted Celebration with us and, and friendship kind of sprang up out of that. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for that. That's, that's been really neat for me. And, and, um, and my boys, my boys think the world of you and, you know, having get them, having spent time in the Dominican in, in ministry with you guys. But I just, I, we're grateful that Compass is grateful for our partnership as well. So thank you so much. It's, it's a joy. Uh, I always feel like I don't have a, a, the Lord's allowed me to be on the earth long enough to learn a few things, usually by doing the dumb things first. So then I learned the right way to do it after that. So, but, uh, but man, it's just, I, I've been really grateful to have, some strong people in my life along the way that have really taught me. And, and those things are starting to come out more and more every day that I just go, I'm so grateful that I got to learn from men and women who really follow the Lord and listen and get to teach me some neat things that hopefully I get to pass on at some point in my life. And so, so thank you, my friend. It's good to hang out on here and appreciate you and the ministry you guys are doing. Thank you. Love you a whole lot. Love you too, brother. Um, Will you will you close this time with a prayer? Absolutely, absolutely. Father God, we uh, it's so good to hang out, even if it is on a Zoom call. And I, I I pray for all the listeners of this show and all the the friends and families and coworkers that might tune into this. And and God, that we would be encouraged, number one, by Your Spirit, what what You are speaking to each of us, what You are wanting to say, how You are growing us, and 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 really shedding off some of the old 
thoughts and habits and things that, that just aren't you and, and God infusing new things into us, um, thoughts and hopes and dreams and abilities that come only from you, Holy Spirit. And, and so we're so grateful. God, we thank you for, for Isaiah and Lene and their boys and the ministry of, of Go, um, everything you are doing. But God, just the fact that we get to be servants of the Most High God, we are so humbled and we are so grateful. Uh, we thank you that, that our lives are marked by men and women who you bring alongside of us to encourage us and to breathe life into us, that we would keep running the good race, as Paul would say. And so we thank you for those moments, just like Isaiah said earlier in this talk, of, of we get to see glimpses of how you are glorified and, and encouragements of we're on the right path and that we would continue doing that. But it would be to your glory, not to our personal gain or resume, but that you would be glorified in all things and what we do and so thank you, God. We pray blessing out of this podcast, but we just pray, pray blessing in our day-to-day as we want to see you move. We want to see people drawn to you. We want to see lives changed. And so we're grateful for that, that we get to be a part of that. It's in the mighty, powerful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel or you can find me in Spotify and Apple Podcasts as Cristo Urbano The Show.